payoff. It doesn't really matter, you know, whether your sword in D&D is pretty or not, because it's in the eye of the holder. God damn it. <laughs> So last time on Compelled Duel, Ferrara Valsine and the horrible, awful, no good, very bad day. Part two. Fee had a really, really bad time. She got caught in a teleportation accident. She met a really pretty bard that then got kidnapped. And it was not a good day for Fee. By <laughs> the time before that, with Leo. Leo had a, a better time, question mark. Flirting it up with rugged monk Zed Stonebloom. And also <laughs> Princess Eleanor Ashthorne of Estermuth. A uh, small wrinkle in that Leo is trying to gather armed forces from the other nobles of principalities of Tradune, including Eleanor's dad, who hates his guts. Gotta love it. We find Leo, we'll say right after that council meeting, you are about two hours through your nightly meditation. It's about midnight after the bandit fight and the conversation you had with Eleanor at the party and, you know, everything. When you hear from right behind your shoulder, Leo screams. <laughs> Sits bolt upright. <laughs> Who's in my room? Kimrel, the Lord of Bones, says, It's just me. You know, we've talked about this. I trance naked and I feel really vulnerable when you do this shit. It does disturb me when you do this. This is my room! I'm a god and I don't have to modify my behavior. What do you want? Camera says, A perfect room. Really? Yes, you told me this before and then, you know, wouldn't you know it? Somebody that wasn't you saved my bacon. So it all ended up coming out in the wash. But I did pretty okay. I mean, I don't know if you've been watching, but I kicked some bandit ass today. That was satisfactory. Thank you very much. More praise than I've ever gotten from my father. Yikes. I think you would perhaps be more effective with a little more power behind your exploits. Princess of Esterman thinks I'm interesting. I don't find smoothing an old man particularly interesting. Okay, so what do I have to do? Sacrifice a goat again? It is the middle of the night. I might need some time to source materials. I was just gonna give you more spells. Oh, sick! Camera, like, does kind of a oogity boogity gesture <laughs> with his fingers. <laughs> They clack horribly uh, the bones in his fingers. <laughs> and he says, I expect more interesting moves in the future. Oh, trust me. I've got like two avenues open to make some really interesting moves in the coming weeks. I like to keep my options open. Gross. Leo just shrugs and grins. starts whispering to himself, oh, no, 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 no. 
then he does the same kind of oogity boogity <laughs> gesture that Kimrel did. He goes, Ooh, Zed, this is a dream. Go back to sleep and maybe find your own lodgings when you wake up. <laughs> also, nothing I said is to be remembered when you wake up. It was all pointless. I was going over my grocery list. <laughs> This is the worst day of Leo's life. <laughs> and he's been there the whole time. I well, mean, he, prob- he might have come back later, but like... Well, because, yeah, I mean, like, Leo has his nighttime routine. He goes into his room, he gets naked, he takes his four-hour trance, and then he gets up and does his shit. You know, maybe when he came back from the party, the room was dark or something, and he just didn't think about it. Oh my god! God! <laughs> so, clarify for me. Uh-huh. Zed just heard the Fresh Prince of Australia talk to his god about <laughs> inviting two dates to the prom. Oh, yes. And also, he's in the buff right now. Oh, yes. Leo's leaving the country right now, immediately. <laughs> Zed was just woken up out of a dead sleep by that, yes. He just tries for the oogity boogity and to get him to go back to sleep. Uh, roll an inside check. Oh, no. Thank God, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. That was a four. Zed just kind of, like, half asleep, groggy, just goes... Uh-huh. And then, like, lays back down. He's good enough at faking being drunk that I don't fucking trust him, but okay. Oh, so we're gonna time skip. On that note... <laughs> um, I do have a couple things I want to clear up before yes. we time skip. Number one, I'm assuming Eleanor is going home. Yeah, Eleanor goes home between the meetings. Leo definitely starts writing to her. Like, just on okay. a friendly level, I think they get, like, a pen pal thing going. Also, if we're time skipping, how much are we time skipping? About a month. About a month? Okay. Uh, I have a cool way to justify my feet that I'm taking. I took the Warcaster feat, which, Ooh. for those of you at home who are curious, I have advantage on all constitution saving throws that I make to maintain my concentration on a spell when I take damage. I can perform somatic components of spells even when I have a weapon or shield in one or both hands. And now instead of doing a melee attack on opportunity attacks, I can cast a spell. So the way that I kind of want to justify that is after getting my shit rocked a couple times, I would kind of like to... If Zed is sticking around, ask him to kind of help me with some reflex training? I think actually we can make that a scene. Um, oh, dope. Okay. There is not a, a wealth of training rooms in the Silver Tree asshole. Bertrand is an 85-year-old man whose children don't talk to him anymore. He produced the necessary one heir to the throne, and his son lives far away from the castle, out in the city. If there is a training room, it has been repurposed for some other purpose. Okay. So I think Zed just takes you out on the fucking lawn and then he says, okay, we're gonna do basic reflexes. So, I'm going to teach you how to master your reflexes the way that I was taught at the monastery. And then he just lobs a rock right at your head. <laughs> so it's gonna be a 23, <laughs> which I assume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. You don't take any damage, just blink. Ow! See that? That's when you're supposed to, like, bat it out of the air. Well, how was I supposed to bat it out of the air if you didn't tell me you were going to throw it? Do you normally get warned before people shoot things at you? When I learned to fight and I learned swordplay, yes. I mean, that's how you engage with somebody in a fencing match. You know, you wait for the... Oh, this has no practical application in real life, does it? No, not even a little bit. Well, damn. Here, catch. 18, does that also hit? Ow! Come on, you're an adult. When I started having this done with me, I was four years old. You were raised by people who threw rocks at children? (laughs) Natural 18. Blink! Stop! (laughs) That's how you do monk training. (laughs) They're very small pebbles. I just wanted to (laughs) emphasize that. Like, yeah, he's annoyingly hitting me in the forehead with small pebbles, so I'm annoyingly going to cast a first-level ray of sickness at him. (laughs) I'm over this shit. (laughs) That's only a 10 to hit. You try to cast a ray of sickness at him, like, through your holy symbol, and then he dodges out of the way. I think, actually, he's gonna, like, go down and then come back up and make a grapple check on you. I rolled a 15. Okay, you rolled a 10. Skadoosh. Okay, so he goes down and then he comes up and tries to grapple you, and you kind of, like, elbow him in the chest, probably. (laughs) Oh, are we having a bar brawl now? Because I've got experience with those. You want to (laughs) go? He laughs kind of rubs at where you elbow him and goes, now Steve, here's your problem. When you go to cast a spell at somebody, you broadcast with your entire stance what you're about to do. 
you cast spells like somebody who is trying to stab someone else. And in my experience, that is not the best way to go around it. And also, you shouldn't broadcast when you're trying to stab somebody either. Mr. Stonebloom, trust me, if I had any intention on stabbing you, you would know. He raises his eyebrows, and he goes, oh, so it's like that. Now go ahead, throw another rock. Watch what happens. He's gonna put his hands up. He steps back, and he goes, okay, I won't throw any more rocks. You wanna try to? And then he, like, puts his hands behind his head, arms up. At, at you? Yep. I'm gonna need Zed to roll a DC 14 constitution saving throw. You fucker. <laughs> Natural 15. Fucking shit. Okay. <laughs> Leo tried to cast blindness deafness on it. <laughs> He's gonna make an arcana check. Natural 18. <laughs> so he knows that you tried to cast something on him. Hey, if you're gonna cheat, then this is gonna get nasty. I thought you said that formal training didn't have any practical application in the real world. If we're not going to fight a little dirty, what's the point of the train? Point. Point. That's fair. And then he just puts his arms down, crosses them over his chest, and he says, Waiting. Oh, no, see, now I'm getting a little nervous. Because, <laughs> I don't know, you could have, like, sand in your pockets. <laughs> which was something that I saw my friend Kalesa do to somebody <laughs> once. And that guy had to go to the clerics and have, like, three days of healing spells done on his eyes because he got an infection. You know, I think I may have come on a little strong with the whole fighting dirty thing, so maybe we could just go back to, like, the polite rock throwing. He raises one eyebrow very high on his forehead. Well, the thing is that you cut a very intimidating figure. And, you know, um... And then while he's distracted, I try to throw a rock at him. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm gonna roll to hit. I'm guessing it's plus dex with the rock. Uh huh. Yes. <laughs> Am I proficient with the rock? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. No whammies. No whammies. Three. You throw it and it like clinks off his ear and does nothing. And he goes, "That was pathetic." It's not the first time I've heard that. I generally think you're pretty impressive in combat situations, but that was. I don't work for the god of rocks, Zed. I mean, you have me a little bit out of my element here. I asked for help for a goddamn reason. Now show me how to dodge a rock. I would be showing you if you could hit me. You little fucking smartass. I throw another rock at him. Okay. 16. Plus my dex, so... Plus 4. 20. Yeah. 30, 20. So what Zed's gonna do? You. Fuck you. <laughs> Come on. God, I hate monks. I hate monks. They're stupid. <laughs> What's that's gonna do? He's gonna deflect missiles. <laughs> and then he's gonna use a key point to do a deflect missiles attack. <laughs> so he's gonna throw it back at you. That's a dirty 20. Great. Yeah. So you throw this rock at him and it like almost hits him in the face. And then he brings one hand up and just like slaps it back. And it hits you right in the nose. And then he says, all right, so... And then he goes behind you and puts a hand on your shoulder and then adjusts your stance, adjusts your shoulders, adjusts your hips, and then goes, so what we're learning here. First of all, keep your stance square so you can move when you have to. Second of all, most people, if you're paying attention, are going to broadcast their movements at least a little bit. Like what you just did there, you shifted your stance to the side when you were going to throw so I knew when to dodge. The best thing you can do for yourself is, and then he nudges at one of your hips and nudges you to the side, is keep your stance steady so people can't do that. And so you can move when you have to. You know, I'd be having a lot more fun with this if my ego weren't so bruised. Leo says with a very petulant little look. Well, on the list of things that could be bruised, it's the least damaging but also the least fun. And then he just pats your shoulder and then goes back to where he was standing and goes, throw again. Okay, so that's the end of that scene. We get to the end of the time skip. The next council meeting is held in the city of Lockham, which you may remember as the seat of the Dawn Chaser family. Fuck yeah, alright. Yeah, yeah. Warren's my dude, we got this. I imagine in every council chamber there's a slightly elevated seat for the host, so Warren is just sitting in this slightly elevated seat, just kicking his feet, because <laughs> he's ten and he's very small. I sit down in the audience area and I flash Warren a rock-on sign. Warren beams, and he just waves, and then from beside his chair, his mom puts a hand on his hand, (laughs) and just, like, puts it down. Is Eleonora here? Have I seen her yet? Yes. As you go to sit down, you hear, 
Leo. And then you see Eleonora from the higher riser waving. I wave and I wink at her. She makes a come here motion. Okay, yeah, Leo goes. He's dressed a little more conservatively than he was for the meeting that Bertrand was hosting, so he's just got on, like, normal Australian robes. As you go to sit down, I don't think Zed would have come with into the council chamber. I think he just kind of hangs. He found somewhere to go eat cheese. Who needs politics when you have cheese? Yeah, exactly. He has made his distaste for politics known. But uh, as you sit down, Eleonora leans over and says, I'm glad you came to this one. It's been a minute. It has. Did you get my last letter? I did. <laughs> um, I think they've just been kind of, you know, getting to know each other through, like, a pen pal lens. You know, however long it's been. Uh, over a month, obviously. But, I, yeah, I think the last thing Leo said to her in letters, I think he probably wrote her a really long letter describing Australia and, like, Australian culture and architecture and stuff, because it's stuff that nobody here knows about. Yeah, she nods and she goes, I did get letter. I was very interested in your description of the spires of the Australian palace. It seems really interesting. Uh, but that's not, that's a conversation for later. Are <laughs> you into architecture, princess? Her cheeks go, like, a little dark with her goblin heritage and with her human heritage leaning towards, like, darker skin. She doesn't have a whole lot of color expressing itself when she blushes, but her cheeks go a little dark. I might, maybe. I'm not allowed to have hobbies. <laughs> well, we have a word for you in Elvish. Uh-huh. Leo says nerd in Elvish. <laughs> Her eyes go very narrow. And she goes, I'll remember that. <laughs> what? It means respected master architect. It does not. <laughs> oh shit, you speak Elvish? No, but I know when people are saying something vaguely insulting. Leo says you look very beautiful today in Elvish. Don't get started. I'll start speaking goblins. Yeah, you like it. And then she does rattle off something in goblin. You can roll an inside check, but... Um, that's a dirty 20, actually. It seems like she's making a joke. I am a joke. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, Eleonora laughs at whatever she said. She thinks she's hilarious. <laughs> and she just says, No, I am Peter. You're more fun. But I'll go. I think your father's gonna separate us if we don't show up soon. Yeah, that's probably likely. Yeah, Leo goes back <laughs> to his seat. The meeting kind of wears on. They don't even really bring up the issue of you in this one. They just kind of gloss over it. Disappointing. They bring it up, really, Bobbin would say. And on the issue of the Asturian Grand Duke, and then Fang Night Peak says, uh, further deliberation. Puts a hand up and, like, shakes his head. I do give them a bit of an affronted little look. They are not looking at you at all. You are out in the risers. Can I sneak back up next to Eleonora if they're not talking about me? I'm not frankly interested. God, yeah, sure. Okay. Fuck, do you want me to roll for that? Yeah, roll still. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna roll with uh, uh, perception. I rolled a natural 19. That's a 5. <laughs> I rolled a natural 19. That's a 20-something. That's over 20. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, I, I fucking pink panther it up there next to Eleonora. And I sit down and I reach in the sleeves of my long, bell-sleeved elven robes and produce a flask that I snuck in with me. Eleonora very quietly gasps to herself, and she is smiling super big as she says, Nasty. I've been called worse. Do you want the whiskey or do you not? Absolutely. And she takes a long swig. Yeah, and I think that we just, like, sit there and pass the flask back and forth. Yeah, the meeting wears on for, like, a couple hours. I think near the end of it, Wilhelmina Donchaser is going to nudge Warren, so he, like, taps for attention, and then she is going to stand up next to him and say, and, uh, on the issue of certain agitators in the area around Lockham, which I have asked for assistance on, again. Leo perks up. After she says that, uh, Jasper Shadestone is going to say, As we've said, Your Royal Highness, we have not seen any evidence of any uh, insurgencies in the area. If you are able to produce a credible eyewitness accounts, credible anything, then we will, of course, lend our assistance to the young King Don Chaser. But until then, our hands are tied. We can't just willy-nilly send forces into the countryside. And then Wilhelmina purses her lips. Uh, roll insight. 
Nine. Okay. Wilhelmina purses her lips. She looks pissed, and she exhales through her nose. And then she sits back down, and hands clenched on the arms of her own chair. And then you see Warren lean over and say something to her, and he's obviously making a joke. You know, how kids try to diffuse tension. And then she nods, and then her posture relaxes, and she just pats him on the shoulder. The bleeding wears down, and everybody starts to shuffle out. Eleonora leans over and goes, So, I was thinking we could go see if we could have some fun in Lockham. The food scene is notorious. You had me at food scene, you'll also probably have Zed at food scene, but <laughs> I... I want to go see if I can corner Willowina. Just give me a minute, okay? Oh, you're cornering old ladies now? <sighs> <laughs> you told me to get out and help people. The council's not helping Willamina. As you say, the council's not helping Willamina rule insight. 17. As you say that, Eleonora, she's still smiling, but like the corners of her mouth get really tight. She doesn't wince, but she looks like she's holding back a wince. I know you saw the same thing in there that I did. The council has to play by ironclad rules for a lot of reasons. The benefit to Mr. Stonebloom and I is that we do not. And I'm still garnering the support that I need while also being able to help out the Dawn Chasers in a way that maybe the council can't because of what King Shadestone said, hands being tied. Eleonora Warren's a kid. You should know just as well as I do. She winces at that time. She, like, actually winces. He's a baby. You know how rough this is on him. He and I have established a pretty good rapport, actually. He's a really great kid. If I like Warren. I like Warren, too. And if I can do him a solid and also help myself out a little bit here, I mean, tell me if this is a bad idea. You have a better lay of the land than I do. I like Warren. I also know that if people are unhappy with something a ruler is doing, it can get very bad very fast. Darling, I grew up in Australia. I'm very yeah. familiar with this. <laughs> the wind has like progressed into a full flinch, and she says, not as familiar as I am. Do what you want, just don't get in deep trouble, please. Look, go find Zed, send me a messenger with the name of the bar, and I'll come find you, okay? Absolutely. Sure, sure. Oh, if he can, without causing a social faux pas, Leo would just like to give her arm a little squeeze before she goes. Because I know she got really offended <laughs> about him touching her last time, so... She makes a face when he does it, but not. Yeah, I'm gonna go to try to catch Warren and Wilhelmina on their way out of the council chamber. They're heading off to where you know there's a great hall and where the food is served between council meetings. Wilhelmina's holding Warren's hand, and he's, like, chattering about something. I just step in their path. Wilhelmina makes kind of an offended face. <laughs> and then Warren says, Leo! Your Majesties! And Leo bows, and while he's in the bow, he reaches out a fist for Warren to do a fist bump. Warren giggles and, like, bumps your fist and does his own wobbly ten-year-old bow. I couldn't help but overhear in the council meeting a little bit of disappointment on both of your parts. I just wanted to let you know that I have brought my associate from the Order of the Golden Tusk with me as a, um, retainer. Warren nods like he doesn't see anything wrong with this. Wilhelmina raises an eyebrow and looks like she's trying not to laugh just a little bit. And all I'm saying is that there are a couple different ways that we might be able to help you out in exchange for a little bit of good faith. All persuasion. Thirteen. Wilhelmina Dawn Chaser fidgets with her hands like she doesn't know quite where to put them, and then takes one away from where Warren's holding it and puts them behind her back, and then says, uh, Warren, honey, how about you go get some lunch, okay? And then he says, okay, and like shrugs and just runs off down the hall. Leo fist bumps him again on the way by. <laughs> he does fist bump you, and he like turns around as he's running and puts his hands up, and then Wilhelmina, fondly smiling, watches him go down the hall, and she like leans back and then she puts on her serious face and she says, I think someone is trying to assassinate my son. Leo goes from that, like, smarmy political gameplay face to dead serious in a second flat. What do you mean? It's not a secret that Warren doesn't exactly make the most informed governmental decisions. He's a ten-year-old. 
But aren't you the acting regent? I do my best. There are other people that have the young king's ear, and they have made no secret that they don't like me and don't think that Warner should be on the throne as young. Which, to an extent, I agree with, but... That's not a political opinion, Queen Regent. Respectfully, that's a coup attempt. She nods and she says, In any case, uh, my late husband, his younger brother, has made no secret that he would prefer himself be on the throne. And I'm starting to think that some people in our inner circle would agree. So you're telling me that Warren is dealing with people in his family being upset that the person in the rightful line of succession doesn't seem to have the most admirable qualities for the throne. That's what you're telling me. You can put it that way, yes. If that's what you're telling me, I'm about to hate myself for saying what I'm going to say. I don't care if you give me an army or not. I'll help you out. You see a little bit of tension in her shoulders. Relax. And she says, Okay. I've been through too much of this, and Warren's a baby, and he doesn't deserve it. On that, we're agreed. It's just, it's, oh, it's complicated. It. What can I, or what can the muscle that I brought with me do? I think what is the most harmful is that my brother-in-law is purporting himself as a man of the people because he has been away for a while. He is putting on airs about being worldly and understanding about situations as if he wasn't born from money and fucking bathed in it from the beginning. Excuse my language. All I'm saying is I think he has significant support in the city and that is what is worrying me because I think he would not be making obvious moves on his own behalf. He would be getting other people to do the deed. Just a little clarification. Are we putting out a hit on your brother-in-law? Do you want me to kill that guy? Because I will totally kill that guy for you. She purses her lips again and then she grabs you by the elbow (laughs) and toes you down the hall. (laughs) And then she goes into a little like sitting room and then closes the door behind you and says, if you can find him to take him out, I will absolutely cover it up. I have the utmost faith, if not in myself, then in my associates. I will say that much. I am a stranger in a strange land. However, I do serve a god of death and justice, and I'm pretty sure that this kind of thing would make him very happy, which might end up working out better for me. She nods her thumb and goes, I, of course, can't be implicated in anything that may happen. I would ask that you use discretion. But, and then her face goes very stony and hard, and she says, I'm not opposed to getting my hands a little dirty. Then you and I are of one mind, Queen Regent. So we are. For what it's worth, I know plenty of other people on the council have their doubts about my mm, integrity, and those are partially founded doubts. But if you want to check my investment in the matter, simply ask Warren about our friendship. I believe he'll fill (laughs) you in on all the relevant information. Oh, he has. (laughs) At length. Aw, little buddy, Leo says, (laughs) and he goes... And then, yeah, I think at that point I'm going to go try to find Eleonora and Zed, see if they have sent word for me, or maybe they're just out by themselves. No, I think a palace courier comes up to you (laughs) and bows deeply and says, Grand Duke Valsin. Courier. He kind of like tilts his head and he says, my name is Brian. Princess Ashthorn has sent you a missive. And then he hands you a piece of paper. So on the piece of paper, it says the brass bell, and then a couple street names, and then XOXO Eleonora. Oh, there's an XOXO on it. Yes, there is. <laughs> Leo takes the paper, tucks it inside his robes, and goes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. She took you to a very seedy tavern back in Irie. The brass bell is surprisingly nice. The sign is really clever. It's like a a little bell, like a church bell, as the skirt of a dress with a woman, like, waving. It's spelled Bell, B-E-L-L-E. Oh, dope. Okay. As you walk in, it's a very homey, warm tavern. They've got a big hearth in the center of it. It's a very, like, 
Lockham is a halfling town. <laughs> the tavern gets very warm. You can smell rich, spicy food as you walk in. Oh yeah. Yeah. It is fantastic. All the chairs look really well stuffed. It's very warm, very cozy. It is a little small. <laughs> I am also a little yeah. small. I'm 5'2". I'm a tall halfling. <laughs> It has very low ceilings, which is very cozy, but can get a little claustrophobic. Um, oh, poor Zed, I just <laughs> realized. Yeah, Zed, <gasps> oh. Zed is kind of like hunched in a corner booth. He's not particularly super tall. He's like a little over six feet. He is a big dude. <laughs> he is hunched against the table while Eleanor just sits very primly across the table from him in the booth. And as you walk in, they both like raise a hand. <laughs> Zed absolutely smacks the ceiling. A little bit of dust falls on his head, and he winces, and he goes, Whoops. I go uh, sit in the corner booth with them. Eleanor has a big grin as you walk over. She has already gotten started drinking for the day. There is an empty glass at her elbow, and then she has a glass of mead in one hand, and she and Zed are both peeking off at an appetizer platter. Leo just walks up and kind of leans in over the edge of the corner booth before he sits down and goes, Sticks. <laughs> Wordlessly, Eleanor passes you a small plate. Hell yeah. I'm guessing Eleanor and Zed are like sitting next to each other in the corner booth. They're sitting across the table from each other, yeah. Okay. He points at both of them and goes, Can I get in the middle of this action? <laughs> and picks up his plate and like moves it over to where he wants to sit. Eleanor and Zed make eye contact, and then Zed goes, I would get up so he can scoot in, but uh, and then he gestures at the ceiling. <laughs> and Eleanor says, Absolutely understood. And then she like scoots out and gestures for you to sit in the booth. Yeah, I scoot in to the corner booth with my small plate and then I gorge myself on mozzarella sticks. Absolutely. It's like really good food. A lot of cheese, a lot of currywurst, very greasy bar food. It's fantastic. Leo tries to remain dignified over his enjoyment of this food, but he's very much enjoying it, and also uh, waves down the nearest bartender and asks if they do have Australian wine in this establishment. It's fine if they don't. Can I get, like, eight more of these currywursts? <laughs> the waiter kind of nods, and then bustles off to the kitchen, and then Eleanor says, I hope you're helping to pay for this. Leo just reaches down to his belt and pulls out a big sack of coins and jingles them, and in time, <laughs> the jingles goes, Bertrand's money. Why do you care? And then puts it back <laughs> on his belt. She says, fair enough. And then she steals a mozzarella stick off her plate. And then she like twirls it like a baton. <laughs> and she goes, so how'd your talk with uh, Wilhelmina Dawchaser go? Oh, so about that, I didn't do anything bad. Before uh-huh. you, uh, no, before you get upset, I didn't do anything bad. It just turns out that the rabbit hole on this whole shit show goes very deep. I am trying to be smart about this, and I don't think that we should talk about how deep the rabbit hole goes here, because apparently the walls have ears in this city. Spooky. Not so much spooky as it will enrage you as much as it enraged me when you find out what's happening. She purses her lips and she nods and she has mm, understood. Zed, you're going to be in on this too because you strike me as a man of morality. We all have character flaws, and it's okay. Zed stops in the middle of taking a bite of garlic bread and goes, I mean, yeah, but I don't see it as a flaw. Poor unfortunate soul. <laughs> he flips you off. <laughs> I think Leo just laughs and yeah. like goes for his beer and slams a couple more mozzarella sticks. So anyway, I mean, I can get us a room where we can talk for a little bit if you guys want. Zed starts just. <laughs> All right. Leo just puts a finger up and goes, "Stop." Didn't say anything, and then he also is going to steal food off of your plate. There's a whole appetizer platter here, guys. I'm so hungry. I didn't get to stop at the buffet on the way out. And I would just really love to eat my currywurst and mozzarella in peace. If one of you touches my beer, it's on sight. <laughs> I've had enough for today. I'm gonna go rent the room. If my beer is any lower than the top of the flagon when I get back, I swear to God, both of you, on sight, 2v1, I'll take you outside in the alley. <laughs> and then he goes... The very friendly halfling at the counter will bring you up for a room, and then he's gonna, like, make a side-eye at your table, and then he just makes a note in his ledger, and he says, So will that be, uh, two singles, or, a uh, king-size, sir? Or should I say two singles and a cocked? 
Kimro willing, my good man, we won't be using the bed. And <laughs> Leo turns around and walks off. The guy at the counter looks like <laughs> his eyes get very wide as you turn around and he like opens his mouth and then closes it. <laughs> and yeah, I just grab the key whenever I'm able and then go back to Zed and Eleonora. Alright, let's go nodding towards the stairs. Eleonora instantly out of her seat straightens her clothes and goes, Alright, here we go. And Zed grabs up one last curry worst off the table. Oh, I'm taking the whole appetizer plate up with oh, me. Okay. Don't get it twisted. No, no, no. I'm waiting for my drinks and also the next appetizer plate to come, and then I'm taking it upstairs. Of course, of course, of course. They will follow you upstairs as you drag a large dish of assorted appetizers up the stairs of this inn. Uh, you go into the room. Eleanor just goes down to sit on one of the bed and kind of bounces a little bit and goes, Okay, so, talk. Um, wow, this is shit. So, uh, Warren's uncle's trying to kill him. Zed, like, <coughs> what? Warren, our little friend that rules the city. The ten-year-old. Yes. His late father's brother is making a grab for power, and his mother can't get any evidence, I would assume, because the man is keeping his hands out of the shit, as it were, so, Zed, your skills with tracking down the kingpin of an operation could definitely be of use here. Warren's my little dude, okay? He's not allowed to die. So, I'm going to do something about this. Whether you two are in on it with me is totally up to you. Zed's gonna, like, hold up a hand. So you're telling me, some motherfucker is trying to get power for politics by taking out a ten-year-old. His ten-year-old nephew, yes. Son of a bitch. Right? He just, like, props his forehead and goes, obviously I'm helping. This is fucked up. I have an idea with this, but it... <sighs> Eleonora, you, you're a little bit of a linchpin in what I'm thinking. As you turn to Eleonora, roll inside again. That was a natural one, baby. You can't read her face at all. There is something very complicated going on in her expression. It is unreadable to you. And she, like, shuts it down as soon as she notices you looking. She is, like, white knuckled on the mattress. Her claws have punctured the mattress, and there's, like, feathers spilling out. And I mean, I, I get that this is a lot to ask, especially given our very brief history, but if you can run interference with the council long enough for Zed and I to get in and take care of this problem so that it doesn't come up at the next council meeting. She nods herself, and then she goes, are you sure it's just the uncle? He seems to be the pinnacle of the movement. Um, and she, like, grimaces, and she goes, There has been a lot of sedition in and around Purdue since the war. There have been a lot of people trying to unseat the sitting monarchs, some justified, some less so. I don't agree with methods. I think there is a growing pressure that you would be wise to consider. I'm not super acquainted with what's going on around Wacom. I will say, if there is a lot of anger that is justified against Warren, then the best course of action might be to smuggle him out of the city and let the chips fall where they may. That's a very decisive statement. I think that a possible alternative to what you're saying is if we smuggle him out and let the chips fall where they may, the entire delicate balance of what has been built between the city-states since the war has the potential to completely fall apart. If it is the united and sovereign principalities of Tordun, if one principality falls to chaos, it could undo everything that all of those people died for. She doesn't wince at that. She says, if the leadership is not competent, and I love Warren, he's 10. He's not competent leadership. If there is not someone responsible steering the ship, and if there's not someone who is looking out for the people, then it is going to go down one way or another, and I would prefer it go down the way that doesn't get a ten-year-old killed. She makes direct eye contact with you. She says, I've seen this. I think that perhaps that what we want here is a compromise. Maybe Zed and I do a little more digging, and we really find out what's going on. Meanwhile, I write a note to Wilhelmina, I send you back with it, you get Warren out of the city in case shit breaks bad. I think we're all agreeing here that Warren needs to not get killed is the ultimate yes. outcome of this. Obviously. 
I... I'm starting to feel like I maybe didn't get the entire picture of what's happening here. So, before we kill this dude, Zed, and I know we both want to, super bad right now, and Leo clenches his fist really hard. You can, like, hear Zed grinding his teeth as he nods. I think maybe that it would behoove us to try to get a more comprehensive look at the political landscape of Lockham and figure out what's going down, and all three of us proceed forward with the interests of this ten-year-old that we all know and like not getting murdered as our top interest. Eleanor nods. She's on that word. So, all right, Eleanor, I'll, I'll write the missive. You'll go back to the palace. Zed, you and I will set off, figure out what's going on, and hopefully we will all convene with this whole entire thing solved. Eleanor, do you have a place to take him? She, like, looks like she's thinking for a second. She goes, ah. We have the room here. Yeah, I could hide him here for at least the night. If things go badly... He'll need to be outside the city. Of course, yes. This, yes. Me and my father did obviously take the royal chariot here. If all else fails, I can stash him in the back. Either take it back to Estermoth, or I'm sure that if you were to take it back to IRA, Virgin would invoke yes. anything necessary. <sighs> Any of you two want to uh, tie one last shot on before we do this? <laughs> Leo says, <laughs> and just crams the rest of the appetizer plate in his mouth. Zed nods. Eleanor crosses her arms over his because I'm good. I'm gonna... Yeah, if you could write that message to Wilhelmina, I'll just be on that. Leo pulls out his stuff and writes down, please sign Warren's care over to the custody of Princess Ashthorn. She is going to keep him safe while I handle what we talked about. In those words specifically. 22. Okay, sure. Um, yeah, so she'll head off with that. Zed is going to slam the rest of the drink and then nod and clears out and goes, <clears throat> So, what's the plan, boss? Oh, don't call me that. It makes me feel like I have way more responsibility over this than I actually do. Alright, so, at least as far as Warren's mother is concerned, and she knows the man involved much better than either of us do, his uncle wants him dead. His uncle is also the person with the next claim to the throne, which... When you're playing political games, you... I feel a little bit like I'm training you now, he says. <laughs> yeah, Zed laughs and goes, uh, This is another one of those not practical skills for me. Well, it's extremely practical for me, and it's why I'm still alive. Yeah. <laughs> so when you are playing political games, what you want to do is you always want to look at the next person down the ladder who stands to gain the most power if the rung above it were to snap. Alright. Which paints Warren's uncle as a little bit of a red flag, you know? Warren and his mother die, this man and his line forever after take over yeah, that makes, the city. that makes sense. So, no matter what, this man stands to gain quite a bit from the death of his nephew. Whether he's directly involved or not, and the fact that he has not explicitly stepped forward in support of said nephew is politically damning evidence. The motherfucker needs to die no matter what. I think we're agreed on that. Personally, my opinion, anyone who is involved in this, if they're plotting to take out a ten-year-old, that's a bastard move. There's no coming back from that. Alright, so as a bounty hunter, I value your professional opinion. What do we do first? Do we hunt down the guy's goons, or do we go straight for the kingpin? Well, he, like, rolls his shoulders, cracks his knuckles, goes, I mean, you'd have to figure a guy setting in line for the throne to be pretty visible, right? Visible enough, for sure. He's probably laundering finances and influence at this point. Figure he's got a big fancy house somewhere. Mr. Stonebloom, are you suggesting that we break and enter? He, like, grins. Wouldn't be the first time. We really have to go have dinner and talk sometime. <laughs> hey, I left the plan into you. Okay, so big house, we figure out where that is. Next step? Well, I mean, how bad of an idea would it be politically if we beat the shit out of the guy? Like as an intimidation tactic? More as I just want to beat the shit out of the guy. <laughs> oh, I also want to beat the shit out of the guy. It seems that what the Queen Regent needs is credible testimony or credible evidence that assassination attempts have occurred on her son. 
people talk when they're getting punched in the face. Zed, honey, I also have a magical god spell that lets me make people tell the truth. Huh. Yeah, watch, and I cast Zone of Truth. Zed's gonna have to roll a DC 14 charisma saving throw, buddy. Eight. A charisma saving throw of eight. Okay, no, no, so he's affected by the Zone of Truth. And I believe as the caster, Leo knows when people have failed their saving throws, right? I think you also have to make a save if you're within the radius. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. This is bad. Um, Al? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Is the room that we're in bigger than 15 feet across? Probably not, buddy. Oh, shit. (laughs) Okay, so that means that I also have to roll a charisma saving throw being within the zone of truth. Fuck, bro. I don't do it. I don't do it. I don't do it. <laughs> oh, Zed and I are both in the zone of truth. Zed clears his throat and goes, Am I supposed to feel anything? It won't feel like anything until you try to lie, Leo says, trying very hard to do half-truths to cover up the fact that he is also affected by the spell. Okay, I mean, I don't lie. And then he, like, makes a face. Did you see me <laughs> naked when the bone god came to me? Yes. And he, like, puts a hand over his mouth. Leo just points, like the Spider-Man meme. Zed puts both hands over his mouth. What did you think about that conversation? Everything you heard, what did you think about it? I think your god's really fucking weird. Agreed. I think he looks like he's picking his words very carefully. That it was interesting. Mm, Oh, did you? What did you want me to think about it? No! (laughs) (laughs) I wanted you to not be there for it. Understood. Did this incident change our professional relationship? He pauses, and then he says, I am very good at remaining professional. I am... Not- No! And then Leo collapses both hands over his mouth and goes, So what are the vibes you're getting here? Zed just shakes his head. No, that's fair, because I have a lot that I haven't considered up to this point. You know, I have a lot of shit going on in my life. And Leo just starts going because he's under the effect of the zone of truth and he can't really stop himself. (laughs) You know, the last five years of my life have been a real mindfuck. And, like, you know, the whole all of my life before that was also a mindfuck. But, like, you know, at least in that perspective of my life, I had stable love and, you know, support and maybe a life laid out in front of me. But then, you know, all that went out the window. And then there's just all of these really attractive people saying a lot of things to me all the time. And I don't really process, like, half of them. Because my brain goes up the window a little bit. Then put the hand over your mouth. Oh, I think really hot. Oh, what the fuck are puts the other hand over your mouth. And then very carefully says, I try not to mix business and pleasure. Because that has broken bad for me before. (laughs) Zed says, I didn't catch that. I'm going to take my hands off your mouth now. (laughs) Let's go. We go. Zed's gonna, like, very confidently move down a street, and then he's gonna say, So usually my first step, if someone has a recorded address, it's not common in my line of work, but uh, usually my first step is to go to a records office. He grabs somebody on the street and says, Hey, dear, where's the biggest church around? He's like stopped this old halfling lady and he says, I'm so sorry to bother you, ma'am. I just uh, need to... And he grimaces because he's still under effects of the zone of truth. I need to talk to a priest. And then this little old half and he goes, oh, of course, uh, three streets westwards. There's the central chapel to uh, Astison Gavaris in the city. What do you say, Mr. Stonebloom? You want to go to church with me? Said like, absolutely. <laughs> and then he just smiles real big at this old lady and he says, thank you so much. And then she just nods. She goes, oh, of course, dear. Off we go to Halfling Church. You find the building almost immediately. It's just huge, solid door, stone walls, no windows that you can 
you see. But there is like jaunty music coming out and a lot of people singing and Zed opens the door uh, and then he sits you down. It's a really nice chapel. There's no skulls hanging from the ceiling? There's no skulls hanging from the ceiling. That's really weird. It's really nice. It is absolutely not something that Leo would recognize as a church if he had not been told that as it was. Religiously, and like being a cleric, I have no idea what to do here, so I'm just going to sit down and shut up. Yeah. Service winds on, and then pulls his heels and waits, and then it comes to a close, and people start to file out. Once the church is empty, except for the clergy, that is going to get to his feet, and again, he has to like kind of slump. (laughs) It's not a big building. (laughs) And he just kind of goes across the room, and he says, Hi, uh, could I trouble you for a little bit of information? Just local, uh, record keeping. And then the priest just says, What sort of, uh, records are you looking for, son? Zed just smiles through the and he goes, I don't know if you would keep it here, but, uh, marriage records and property holding records of anyone involved with the church, or if you could direct me to where I would be able to find those. Well, of course, we have uh, marriage records upstairs in the records room. That is not just, oh, of course, yes. And then I believe my companion here, Lord Valsine, Grand Duke, Grand Duke Valsine, I'm very sorry. I believe he had some questions about how you run things around here. Leo just steps forward, very big, winning political smile, pointy teeth and all. Says, we're like stealth with advantage. So does that roll a 19? For stealth to just, like, yeah. zoom out of there? Yeah, just ghosts. I've had no experience with the predominant religions in Tordun. I only know of my own country's faith. I would be enchanted to learn about your own religious practices, if you would allow me. Oh, uh, you'd like to talk about Estes and Gamaris, of course. Any religious tracts that you could maybe loan me would be wonderfully appreciated. I make my home in Irie. I would be able to send them back to your library eventually, of course. Well, we don't really write down a lot of things in our church, typically, but I could probably get you a piece of text writing down a local version of the legend, and he rustles around at his podium. I want to roll a religion check. It's very broad. I yeah. want to know, like, as a cleric and as a priest, how much I know about, like, religious practices in Tordeon and how they connect. Yeah, go ahead and roll that religion check. I am going to ask you to roll with disadvantage because Leo doesn't know jack shit. My disadvantage is still a 14. I'll allow it. Leo doesn't know a whole lot. Leo knows historically Tordoon is kind of a mixed bag culturally. It's a very large expanse of land and there's a lot of different people groups all coming in. The majority of the population is human halfling goblin orc. So, like, there's been a lot of cultural blending, but it's a lot of disparate tribes of all of those people groups that just kind of got smushed together into this country. So, there's a lot of differences in religious practice. I wouldn't think Liam would know anything about Essis and Gamaris. First of all, because Leo hasn't left the castle much, and second of all, because Irie has a large human population, and Bertrand is not particularly religious, I don't think, anyway. Comparing and contrasting, the Church of Kimrel is very into ritual and into common circumstance, into very regimented traditions. That is not what you saw in the church, and that is not something you think would fit with what you've seen of the people in Tordun and how they approach religion. For Leo, that's really weird. Yeah, that's a really like difficult thing to wrap yeah. his head around. And but- also, you do notice the statues at the back of the church and the hearth, that is not anything that looks like a Sturian church. I don't think there are physical representations of Kimrel. It's just sort of his symbol. And there would never be anything like a hearth in a church of Kimrel. It is all very, like, stained glass, metal, crystals, skulls hanging from the rafters. It's not made to feel like home. It's made to feel like an important place. This church seems like it's meant to be comforting. Which does not fit with Leo's vision of what religion has been for him for his entire life. Really interesting. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I try to keep these people occupied for as long as I can. Um, to a degree, Leo's really interested in it, yeah. especially because he was not particularly religious before he had to become a cleric. Yeah, if Leo was chatting with his old priest, I think what you can note down is Estes is Lord of the Harvest. 
he is mostly prey to in famines because he is known to provide for the people that worship him when things are in dire straits. Estes is very concerned with like home and hearth and comfort and very concerned with making sure people are provided for. Gavaris is primarily involved with storytelling. You hear her referred to as the Lorekeeper, the Lady of the Songs, stuff like that. She is mainly concerned with the keeping of the history of this particular subset of the Halfling people. Like, she's very concerned with making sure that they don't lose their past so that they can keep their future. Right? Cool, yeah. And I think as you're having this conversation with the priest, Zed comes back in and just, like, touches the elbow and says, Well, I do believe we have to be getting uh, back to the room. Oh, yes. Um, I think Leo actually has been taking notes through all of this. Nice! Yeah, he's been super fascinated by it. Well, I mean, as somebody who has had no, like, deeply personal connection to his own religion, it's been really cool for him to learn about this stuff. So yeah, I feel like he has definitely written a lot of it down and taken like any texts that these people have yeah. given him, just yeah. as like research material. Yeah, like this priest has explained to you, a lot of his oral tradition, there's not a lot written down, but what there is, he will give to you. Dope. Okay, yeah, yeah cool. Yeah, I take everything I can get out of here, yeah. and then I'll go back with said. As you leave the church, said the Zenicus. Okay, so I have a couple addresses. It seems like the fancy man. Has multiple houses because of fucking course he does. Wait, is it weird for people to have more than one house? <sighs> yes, it's weird to have more than one house. I have zero houses. I mean, you have a house. You have my room at the palace. <laughs> and I think if we talked to Bertrand, we could get you your room. I would love it if we did that. Because I have a very particular preference to how I like to do my trances. And now I know that you know this, so, like, maybe we should part ways. He does raise an eyebrow. Aw, you don't want to share a room with me? You don't want to bunk together, Leo? The zone of truth expired long ago, my friend. (laughs) Leo says. (laughs) It's alright, I'm used to sleeping in the same room as other people. Bertrand is definitely going to not want to talk to me about this when we get back, Uh so... And for some reason, you ended up in my room here. I don't know what that is all about. (laughs) I will keep myself decent while I trance. And you will never discuss what happened last month again with anyone ever. Especially not Eleonora. That's a promise I can make. Fair enough. Anyway. And then he, like, pulls out some papers and he points at a couple lines and he goes, Yep, Ferdinand Donchester, this address, and this address, and this address. God, I hate rich people. I would like to use my position of privilege, which is my noble background feature on this, which is that I understand the workings of nobles in any city. I would like to roll to see if I can figure out where this man actually lives. Would that be history check? Yeah. Natural 19. (laughs) God. 25. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Where does this man live? I've never been here before in my life. You noticed some street names near the palace, and you recognize one of them. You can assume that the man's main residence is close to the palace. I'm going to look down at the papers that Zed is presenting to me and just point to that address. Huh. Figure that out, just look at the paper. I know this street name. This is where he is. And then he raises his hands like, okay, I'll follow your lead on this one. Lead the way, Grand Duke. Yeah, so we go. Okay, you go. It is a grand, sprawling estate. It is gross. There's like topiary-shaped swans and shit. Ew. It's disgusting. It is not dark. I would not recommend breaking in now. I'm going to try to case the joint and then consult with Zed. Just because I feel like I maybe have better investigation than Zed does. <laughs> Zed has a big old goose egg in intelligence. I got a plus four, so we're good. Yeah, himbo supreme. Go ahead and roll investigation. 21. It's pretty well guarded. You see that the uniforms of the guards are not the city guard. He has contracted private guards. And it seems like a lot of them. 
Okay, not great. It seems doable, but there are a lot of private guards walking around. After I do this case drop, I'm gonna go try to grab Zed and, like, pull him around a corner to talk. Okay, so I have ideas. That whole truth thing that I very unadvisably did back there at the bar. I remember. Yeah. I remember the truth thing. I do, too. I think I will always remember it anyway. <laughs> I could do that again, like, three more times if this guy proves to be a little magically tricky. I think that if we can get in and get him and get a confession, we can solve this whole thing in the eyes of the council. We won't have to put this guy down because the council will do it for us. Interesting. So, we figure out what's happening here. We get information, hopefully, extracted in a way that is... Legally tenable. Do you know what legally tenable information extraction entitles, Zed? Uh, no, I've never had much of a problem with the whole punch people until they tell me stuff method. Let me do my magic thing first, and then if that doesn't happen, then you can take over with the more, um, physical manifestation of things. Oh, you want me to get physical, do you? Stop. Anyway, let me take point, and if my plan falls short... Your plan takes over, yes? Yeah. Everybody gets the same end result. Got it. Cool. Alright. So then we wait. We wait. Um, so you guys wait a few hours. And what's your passive perception? Sixteen. You don't notice anything. You don't right. see Jack you didn't see that. And then you wait. You wait for an opening of the guards. Night falls over the city of Wacom. And then you hear a shrill, piercing scream. From in the house? Yes. Oh, I run in. No matter what the fuck Zed does, I kick in the door. Roll self with disadvantage. Well, my lowest is a 16. And with my stealth, that's a dirty 20. Zed holds you back for a second, and you manage to get through a hole in, like, the guard control, and you manage to get in a window. Zed's not being super subtle. He breaks a window with his elbow. You go in. You run up the stairs. The only room has light in it. Zed, like, kicks down a door, and you see a halfling woman in pajamas with, like, both her hands over her mouth standing in the middle of this room. You see an open window and flapping curtains. And you see a corpse in the big, fluffy, king-size bed. And that's where we're at for the week. Whoa, what? <laughs> no! What did you... Hey everybody, Barry here with the Postscript, just clearing up a couple housekeeping things at the end of the episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you're new, welcome, or if you're returning from previous episodes, thank you so much for sticking with us. Nothing super new to plug here at the end of episode 6, just that we would like to thank a couple of our new patrons. Thank you to Mia M, Tim, and Olivia Siegel. And if you are interested in supporting Compelled Duel, head over to patreon.com slash compelledduel. And you can find all sorts of fun perks that you can get for your pledge. We are on social media at Compelled Duel on Twitter, Tumblr, and TikTok. We are also on TikTok at Compelled Duel Audios, where we post audio snippets from the show. Also, if you're interested in chatting with fellow Compelled Duel fans, you could consider joining our official Compelled Duel Discord server. We have links to that up in our info thread on our Twitter and our Tumblr, and we would love to have you. We host a Q&A session every Monday after the premiere of the latest episode where we take submissions from fans and we take an hour and some change and just answer whatever questions you guys might have. And it's a really fun time and we'd love to see you guys there. 
If you're interested in supporting the podcast in ways other than pledging to our Patreon, we ask that you consider giving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us get promoted to a wider audience and grow our listener base. And also giving us an upvote and a comment on our YouTube channel would help do the same thing. Also, I know I say this every week, but if you're enjoying Compelled Duel and you like what you're hearing, tell three friends about it. And if they like it, tell them to tell three friends. Our word-of-mouth advertising has done absolute wonders for us, and it's really giving us a lot of forward momentum, so we really appreciate the help. If you are enjoying the audio quality of this postscript, you can look forward to similar audio quality from episode 15 onwards. Because thanks to our generous patrons, we were able to get a very nice new microphone and some fancy acoustic panels. So thank you, patrons, for that. And next episode will be going up on Friday, January 15th. Or if you are a patron, you will have access to it on Thursday, January 14th. As always, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.